In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, LLS, will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps, inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or your treadmill, climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony, and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. Hey everybody, Scott Burnside back for another edition of Two Man Advantage, the podcast. Pierre Lebrun. Pierre, I don't know if you ever read this book by Stephen King. It's called Tommy Knockers. And at one point, one of the characters is a writer and he attaches himself to like an alien machine and it writes a book overnight. And this is how I think of you these days because <laughs> it's been a busy few days in the world of hockey and you've been all over. How, how are you doing? Are you, are you, how are you keeping up? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And, and, and listen, yesterday was a great day because we were writing about things that were official and not us speculating yep. what might be. So uh, still, a, still a long way to go before we actually see hockey. Uh, more hurdles to uh, to overcome, as uh, Don Fear of the NHLPA uh, and I were talking about last night for the piece I wrote. But uh, positive day. Positive day yesterday. Yes. And do you know what's even more positive? A couple things, but the most positive part of this day is that we are joined now by Nick Felino, captain of the Columbus Blue Jackets, former Marc Messier Leadership Award winner, and actually the winner of one of my favorite awards, and people don't really get this, but the King Clancy Memorial Award, which goes to leadership on and off the ice. Uh, Nick was also the winner in 2017 of that. Uh, have I pumped the tires enough, Nick? How do you, are you feeling good about coming on? Yeah, you know what I said? I needed that. I was just thinking in my head, I needed that lately. So thank you very much, Scott. I appreciate that. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Doing very well. Thank you for, for hanging out. And just before we started the tape, you we were just chatting a little bit. And uh, so you're in the Sudbury area, and your kids, you have a daughter who's six and sons that are four and three. So that must be really easy then during this pause, right? Those three kids, that must be... Must be a piece of cake. So, how are things in the Felino house as, as at this stage of the pause? Oh, you know what? My wife's just left me alone. I, she takes care of the kids. I do nothing around the house. No, I'm just I wish that was the case. Uh, things are are very very fun, uh, but very uh, stressful at some moments. I think you know when the parents have to wear all the hats of schooling now and everything that's gone on. Uh, it can be stressful, but uh, we're trying to make the most of it. We're, you know, this is time I'll never get back with my family, and I'm really enjoying, you know, that uh, that part of it where I get to be around. I, you know, I got to see both two of my my oldest, my my daughter and my my oldest son uh, start to ride bikes without training wheels, and nice. um, you know, those little moments that you don't really get during the season because you don't have enough time. Uh, I'm really taking advantage of, and it's been a lot of fun. 
Yeah, I got three kids myself, Nick, and uh, I had the honor of seeing one of my kids set an all-time record for screen time on the iPad uh, this week. So that was uh, that was really uh, really proud of my eight-year-old son uh, for that. Uh, not so much. Uh, we had a little father-son chat uh, before bedtime about that, but um, no, it, hey. It, it, He's a record setter. That's all that matters. <laughs> hey, listen. Let's let's talk some hockey. And, uh, and yeah. uh, well, we know one thing: if if uh, if the PA and the league can continue to iron out these negotiations, it's Columbus, Toronto. How about that? Uh, you know, given your yeah. uh, your roots, Nick, and uh, and everyone in your extended family, uh, what would that be like if if this thing is pulled off and and we get a uh, a best of five play in between the jackets and the Leafs. Well, I said, I'm not going to have anyone cheering for me. So it's going to be kind of weird. Um, <laughs> all my family, but uh, no, you know what? It's great. I obviously, you know, to see that we're moving forward and, and, you know, starting to come up with formats and feel comfortable, uh, you know, talking about that because that moves the needle further. Um, like you said, I think there's still so much to be done from now until that point. And I really hope that, you know, we can we can put the best minds forward to make sure the game is going to be as safe as possible and, and respect what's going on in the world uh, right now. And, uh, you know, I think that's on the, the forefront of everyone's mind still is, you know, we're still in the middle of this thing. So, uh, you know, it's great that we're able to talk hockey. It means things are progressing, uh, but we want to be smart and make sure we're doing this right. So, you know, that that when we go back and, and we do it in a, in a way that's going to be safe for everyone and and get the most out of every you know, everything that we're going back for. Yeah, it's interesting, Nikki. You talk about your family, and I wonder if there's sort of this almost a divide when you start to consider this, uh, and maybe can share what the conversations have been like at the dinner table or over coffee or whatever when you try and balance what is safe and the concerns of a lot of players about what it might be like versus you know, getting back and, and being part of the playoffs and, and challenging for a Stanley Cup. Is, is there sort of a, a, you know what, not a tug of war, but sort of you know, some back and forth on uh, on when you're considering the two ends of, of, of this uh, situation? I, I think so. I mean, I've talked about it with my family and, uh, you know, with our situation, my daughter has a heart defect and has some health issues and um, you know, it's a concern of ours. Luckily, that that demographic, that age group hasn't really been hit hard, which is nice to see and kind of gives you a little bit more comfort. But uh, there's so many players in so many different positions, you know, with family. And uh, I think that's always the main concern. You know, we we will do anything to help our team, you know, and, and, and you know, we'll come back and play. And uh, but these are different circumstances that we're not used to. The whole world isn't used to. So we just want to make sure we're being respectful of that and understanding that, you know, if we do come back, what are the protocols? What's the health uh, and safety of every player and how are we going to go about that? And I think that's just the, the conversations that we've been having as, as a family, as players around the league. Um, you know, that's, it's not about coming back. I think everybody wants to, it's, it's how we're going to do it uh, in a safe way that we feel we're taking care of. And uh, I think anyone, you know, whether you're going back to work, uh, you want to know it's a safe environment. I mean, you know, there's hi everyone's hypersensitive to what's going on for for you know the right reasons, and uh, and we're no different. So uh, we obviously love what we do. Uh, we know we're fortunate and, and to be in this position and and play a game we love for for a living. Um, but it's still uh, you know it, it, there's risks uh, like anything, and uh, we want to make sure that uh, when we're coming back, we're coming back to to be safe and then be able to put the best product on the ice for our fans. 
Yeah, you know, and, and I argued in, in my column and in, in talking to Don Fear, Nick, that as much as the, the vote on the format last week might have been contentious at times, I actually think that when it comes time for the executive board of the PA to vote on the, the hub cities and the protocol and the safety, I, I actually think that's the crux of all this to me because I think that, you know, you have your situation with your daughter. I think there's a lot of players around the league that have questions and wanting to know the exact details of what life is going to be like away from home and, and the bubble and, and, and the hub cities and where the hub cities are. I think that's the whole game to me. That that will decide whether or not. For sure. Right? Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I think that's where it all, like the 2014 format doesn't really affect anyone's daily lives, right? It's just, okay, here's the format we're going to go into. Well, now how are we going to work going from the rink to the, you know, to the hotel? Are we only allowed to be at the hotel? What kind of food are we allowed to eat? Are we allowed to go out? You know, there's so many mm-hmm. questions and, and you feel bad asking, but it is, it's something that none of us have ever experienced. So rightfully so, there's going to be a lot of questions and there should be a lot of questions because we need answers. We need to have it where everyone understands what's expected. And I think that's the one thing that I think anyone's looking for in this world right now is a sense of security and, and uh, understanding. And that's the hardest thing to give because no one has gone through this, you know, and no one has been in a pandemic uh, for a hundred years. So, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of the, the give and take of our league right now. And I, I respect them. I think they've done a great job of informing us. Um, you know, we've had doctors we've been able to contact and talk to, uh, you know, there's been constant dialogue that way. It's just, okay, if we're going to actually do this and, and do it right, uh, what's it going to take? And uh, are players willing to, to sacrifice their family time and, and things that we're not used to? Uh, and I, I think everyone understands there's going to be a new normal going forward. Um, but, but how drastic of a change is it going to be? And is it, is it worth it in the long run for health and safety of everyone? So uh, a lot of questions, but but a lot of hope too. And uh, you know, if we can get back, what a great moment for for the world and for for hockey, obviously. Yeah, and you're Nick. You're in an interesting position as as the captain of the Blue Jackets. You also have a brother who's an NHLer, Marcus. And I wonder if 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 during this pause, if there have been things that have surprised you that people have come to you with questions or concerns and, and maybe what that's been like for you, because I assume you're somebody that, that a lot of people look to, to maybe at least help facilitate trying to find out some of these answers in a, in a very difficult situation. Uh, the, you know, the biggest uh, thing that I've, I've wor- uh, started to worry about and never really thought of. And uh, you know, it's, it's a, uh, I wish I would have thought of this sooner is just the, the amount of players that are really uh, alone, uh, you know, amount of people in the world that are alone, you know, I never, you never really think of that. And in our profession, uh, you know, how many guys do live on their own uh, coming to new countries playing and they don't really have a, you know, a girlfriend or whatever. I mean, I'm lucky. I have three kids. Like we talked about driving me crazy all day, a wife. I mean, I have a lot of support around me uh, to keep my mind preoccupied from what's really going on in the world. But when you're alone, uh, you know, that that's hard on your mental health and on your, you know, your your state of mind. And, uh, you know, so I feel for the the players that that are dealing with that. That's why I'm so glad the league allowed guys to go home uh, to go back to where that maybe have a better support network around. But, uh, you know, for a while, I mean, there was guys on my team sitting in Columbus in one bedroom apartments, not that, you know, the, the people in all over the world are doing this. And I'm sure they're in a little bit better situation than a lot of people. But still, the mental game that it plays on you where you don't know what's going on. You can't, you have no contact with the outside world besides on your phone or on computers. And, you know, it's a, it's a scary thing when you, when you're thrust into that world that you're not used to. So that was the, 
the biggest thing in talking to a lot of guys, like, you know, I was worried about their mental being and, and, and well-being. I think the whole world has to be cognizant of that right now with, with everything going on. And, um, you know, that has to come to the forefront of making sure that people have, you know, ways to cope with, with what's going on in the world, because it wasn't like it, we had time to prepare for this. It was drastic. And, right. uh, yeah. I hope, I hope, uh, you know, my team understands that, you know, if you need someone to talk to, uh, you know, that's so important and we're lucky enough with all the technology now that we have that, but, uh, that was my biggest, uh, you know, uh, kind of moment where I realized, wow, this is, uh, this is a lot bigger than anything else I've ever experienced. Oh, you raised such a great point, Nick. In fact, I was just waving my arms across my home office door at my kids to be quiet. But I tell you, having having a busy household during this uh, three months of isolation is is the best way to go, despite some crazy times. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, now, listen. If if this thing gets pulled off, like we said, it'll be Leafs and Blue Jackets, and I just think there's so many rich storylines here. Um, you know, one is that how healthy the Columbus Blue Jackets get by the time this thing might start. Um, talk about what a huge factor that will be. I mean, you guys were running on half a roster when the season got put on pause. <laughs> I had to I had to Google some guys' names when they came up. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, just kidding. No, you know what? It was um, it was really I, I thought a great thing for our team this year to be able to have that kind of experience. Though, so, I mean, obviously, I would love to have my team healthy, but for guys to realize the way we needed to play, even with guys out, mm-hmm. uh, you know, losing some players like we did in the off season and having that, you know, kind of band together. Um, you know, I was really proud of our team because I think it showed everyone what we can do when we play as a collective group and have that belief. And, you know, we talk about bringing these guys back uh, healthy and have a chance to play against a really good Leafs team, um, you know, is only going to help us. Uh, obviously we know what we're up against and, uh, but if we have that same mindset with the players that we can add that are healthy, it's like getting a bunch of free agents, uh, you know, back in your lineup or trades and, uh, to have those guys and, and what they mean to our club, you know, it's, it's amazing. Seth Jones is meant to our back end. Cam Atkinson, his goal scoring. I mean, Oliver Bergstrand took a step at being one of our, one of our better players this year. Um, mm-hmm. so those three guys alone, uh, can make such a difference and, uh, you know, that, that, that in itself is, is such a boost to the morale of our group because a lot of those guys are leaders. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it, it'll help us for sure. Um, but we know we're going to be uh, up against a, a real, you know, dangerous team with the firepower they have. And, and we're going to have to stick to our guns with our defensive game in order to, to try to suppress that. Yeah. I, I was going to say, sorry, Scott, I'm breaking your rule of going twice in a row here, but um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. But it's, it's such a contrast in styles. I mean, uh, you know, you guys are the second best, uh, have the second best defensive record of the the 12 teams that get to come back in the East um, behind only first place Boston. So just really a, 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 a defensive juggernaut is what you guys have been. And, and But you're playing a team that just wants to score and their coach wants them just to skate one way. <laughs> you know, the Leafs, uh, yeah. the Leafs are as dangerous yeah. as they come offensively. So It'd be interesting coming out of four or five months off the ice after a training camp to see which of those styles, I I mean, no one knows the answer, but my point is it'll be interesting to see how, which of those styles can come back quicker. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, You know, I think I saw my teammate, David Savard, made that comment. You know, it's defense game. It's usually, you know, you have to kind of hone in and get your timing again and, and you'll know, find that that rhythm and, and where the offense, you know, if you're thinking offense, you can just flow sometimes. So uh, it'll be interesting to, like you said, see which game kind of comes to the forefront. Um, but we know, I mean, we're going to have to obviously 
play a, a style that's that's you know that we've, we've done all year and, and had success with we can't change who we are uh by who we're playing and we just gotta hope that that uh you know we can get back into the swing of things quickly and i think the guys have done a great job of staying in shape have kept in touch with a lot of guys and that's going to be a huge one so you're not wasting those those training camp weeks uh you know trying to get back in shape where you can start getting into systems and figuring out how to how to beat your opponent and you know that'll be so crucial for our team Nick, we had John Cooper on a couple of weeks ago, uh, and I think his his memory of last spring is probably a little bit different than yours in terms <laughs> of uh, positive, negative. But uh, you know, he, he John talked about you know the experience of what they went through and how you move on from that. And sometimes I think we try and we just say, oh, you know, what can you use what happened to you in the past to affect the future? And I wonder when you think about certainly sweeping Tampa and really pushing Boston uh, through a terrific six game set. Are there lessons that that can carry over into a a shorter series uh, like you'll hopefully play against Toronto and, and perhaps even beyond that in the regular playoff tournament? Or do you really need to sort of distance yourself from that and say, Hey, that happened. It was great, but we, we do, we can't, we can't live on that. Or I wonder what that dynamic's like. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I agree. Like, I think the biggest thing for our team was going through the two games up on Washington two years ago and getting swept four straight after that and how we learned, uh, you know, what we did wrong there. Um, you know, we, we had such a great game plan. Obviously those games were, were so closely contested. I think that like four of them or five of them went to overtime. I don't even remember the, the situations, but you know, just knowing how we had them, uh, you know, in a stranglehold and going home and didn't get the job done. And I think it, it, it allowed us a chance to, to come back the next year and, and make good on it, make amends with Tampa and, you know, have a chance to come home and get a huge win at home and, and find a way to, you know, the biggest reason why we won in Tampa series is we didn't change from game to game how we played. You know, we we had a recipe for success. And, and just because we got up by two games to nothing or even three games, to nothing, we didn't try to become something else. We just we stayed with it. And that's something I think we learned from the Washington series where, you know, you get up and now you start hearing all the talk about how good you are. And these guys are on the ropes and now they're the wounded dog. So they're going to come even harder at you. And I don't think we were ready for that kind of, a, a you know, a, a recoil from them. So. You know, the next series against Tampa, we expected them to throw everything at us in that game three of the kitchen sink. And to get that win, I think, showed us, you know, just by playing that style again, that that's the success that we're going to have to have. And I think we just ran into a Boston team the next series that just did it better and longer than we could, you know, that we just didn't have their experience. And and I think now we look at them like, OK, that's the next hurdle we got to get over is can we do it better and longer and and you know, it's great to do it for one series, but can you do it for another and another and another? And that's how you win championships. And I think you could go back to the Capitals as a great example. How many years of heartache did those that team have before they finally won a Stanley Cup? So you got to put that into your next series. And and I, I firmly believe, you know, the, the experience we gained by beating Tampa will, will hopefully help us, you know, against a team like Toronto, where, you know, you have to find your game and you have to stick with it. And you can't change who you are. And the team that I think figures that out sooner, uh, you know, in, in that short of a series is going to have the success that, that you're hoping for. You know, Nick, uh, you probably don't remember this, but after the morning skate last year before game one in Tampa, I, I ran into you. We had a little chat and and right around that moment, uh, your head coach, John Tortorella, sort of stormed by. And I, I can't remember what was going on. I think 
I think they were making him talk at not his usual time, but I just remember thinking, <laughs> I just remember thinking, Torts is ready. Here we go. And, and and I mean, it's so true. Like he, there aren't that many teams in a league where I feel where the where the coach can really, in terms of his personality and how it rubs off on on the team. And listen, we know all the stories. Uh, you know, it, it cuts both ways. But but I think that he he just you know, again got the best out of you guys in those playoffs last spring. And and this will be fun. I mean, he got. The biggest media center in the National Hockey League with the Leafs playing your team and, and towards in the middle of it. What, what do you think that's going to be like? Yeah, I think that like that that's one thing. I mean, he'll never admit it, but you could just see it. it last year's series meant a lot to Torts. I mean, that's a team he coached, has a lot of history. You know, they, they love him there in mm-hmm. Tampa, the fans. So, you know, I, I think his emotion definitely rubbed off on us. It wasn't just another series for, uh, for us after, you know, hearing the way he talked about that team and – you could just tell how badly he wanted that win. And so you just kind of fall in line and and you realize, you know, it wasn't for him. It wasn't self-serving. Like I need this win for me. It was, I want you guys to experience, you know, what it is to win in this league. And we needed that in our, in our organization, we needed that next step. And, um, you know, he has that way of pulling that out of you. And in in certain moments, you know, everyone talks about that speech he had in game one, um, you know, that's the, the way he can pull, pull you into things, pull you into the fight. And you, you really respect him in those moments. And, you know, I'm sure it's the same way for him with Toronto. I mean, I, I know the media frenzy he's not going to be thrilled with, and, uh, <laughs> but he's going to find a way to, to use some sort of storyline or, or band us together in a way that that'll get us, you know, our minds right. And I think our leadership group has done a great job of kind of understanding him now and, uh, and, and making sure we're, we fall right in line. And I think we, we have a great marriage in that sense where we're on the same page. So, um, you know, it'll be, it'll be really cool to, to kind of get back in that environment. I think we're all craving that. And, and he's a guy that just that drives it home. I mean, he, you, you definitely love the passion that he coaches with and it rubs off on all the players, especially that time of year. You need that. You need that fire um, and, and that controlled uh, focus that he seems to bring. So, when was the last time your cell phone went off in a meeting with Torch? <laughs> never, and it better ever, <laughs> never happen. I think Jeff Rimmer is the last guy to have it happen, and it wasn't pretty for Rim. So uh, I felt bad for him. <laughs> Listen, Nick, it's uh, just before I let you go. What what are your so you as you mentioned uh, you're in the Sudbury area. What 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 are your immediate plans, and uh, you know, sort of what's what's next for for you and your family? Yeah, you know, well, so we've been uh, we've been here for about a week and a bit now. Uh, so we're we're on the second half of our quarantine. <laughs> um, right. So we got the 14 day mandatory quarantine up here. So, uh, and you know, what? it's been nice, though, to be able to we're blessed to be able to obviously quarantine on the lake and just, uh, you know, wait out our time. My dad's dying to see my his grandkids and my in-laws, <laughs> the same thing. So uh, hopefully soon enough here. But the weather's been great. So we've been on, on the water and just trying to, you know, respect you know, the, the situation and have a lot of fun as a family. I think the change of scenery has been great for everyone's morale. And uh, uh, we're just looking forward to, you know, doing this together with everybody and getting through this and, uh, and then obviously seeing some family when the time's right. So it'll be a good uh, dose of medicine for everybody. Good stuff. All right, Nick, thank you for hanging out with us. It's been a, been a ton of fun and, and hopefully the, the next time we chat, it'll be about, hub cities and where the blue jackets and lease are going to square off and, and, uh, and what, what that is like, but uh, hope you and your family continue to stay safe and healthy. And, and thanks for hanging out with us today. 
Thank you, guys. Same to you. Always love that with you guys. All the best. Okay, thanks, Nick. All the best to your family. Thanks. Same to you guys. Thanks. All right, Pierre, we're going to circle back to a couple of things that that, uh, Nick brought up in our conversation, but we have to take a break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Do you ever think about the first time you actually put on cologne? Was it your dad's Old Spice? Oh, I love that bottle. Maybe it was a stocking stuffer. Maybe it didn't even smell that good. But you were happy to put it on. One thing over the years, though, we can all agree on, is that smelling good is important. And we can also agree that Hawthorne smells really good. And getting Hawthorne cologne is so easy. Think about it. Father's Day is coming up. Perfect gift for your dad. Maybe it's a perfect self-gift. Why not? So how does it work? Take a quick two-minute quiz, and Hawthorne tells you the two colognes that are best for you. One for work and one for play. Totally risk-free with free shipping and free returns. So check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E on the end and .co, not .com. Hawthorne.co and use my promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co and use my promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. Hawthorne.co. That was a ton of fun. And, you know, Pierre, it's especially, I thought timing uh, is terrific to talk to a guy like Nick because he plays such a leadership role and he's a veteran guy and especially with the news coming about you know phase two protocols and of course the the format for the 24 team resumption of play all those kinds of things and um, yeah it's, uh, what what'd you take away from that we uh, he is uh, he I think he echoes the sentiments of so many players that they're excited at the prospect of of returning to play and what might happen but understanding there's still a ton of work to be done to make sure it gets done properly and safely. Yeah, and and that's exactly it, and especially for him. I mean, you know, with uh, what he's gone through with his daughter and, and so happy to hear that she's doing well. But, um, you know, he, he has specific questions that he needs answers to before he can sign off, right? And, and you can tell he's, listen, he's a Foligno. He wants to play hockey. <laughs> but but it, 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 it isn't a, a blank, it isn't, a, a, you know, a blank commitment. He, he he needs to know, and and there's so many players in the league that are in the same position that they need to know before they sign off on this. And and listen, I I I wasn't trying to be captain negative with my column after all the news Tuesday night, but again, we need to. Fans have to realize this was just the first step, and that really, as Nick perfectly described, there's no question the players want to play, but. The next level of negotiating, understanding what the hub situation will look like, what the testing will be, what the bubble life will look like, that that's the ball game. I mean, I mean that will decide whether they can convince the players around the league to play again, and uh, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, and listen, and I, <clears throat> I mean, you you describe it as a negotiation because it it is right. I mean, there there is there continues to be give and take, right? I mean, we still don't know what the format will be for bracketing which the league favors uh, versus reseeding which i hope i know you and i feel the same way about and i think the players do i hope that's what we see um but 
you know, my sense of what, you know, listening to Gary Bettman and, and Bill Daly, the deputy commissioner, uh, during their media um, Zoom call after the announcement on Tuesday, um, this isn't the owners trying to force the players into a, a space, right? Like, and may, there will be contentious moments and points as they try and hammer out the details. But, and, I mean, maybe I'm naive, uh, but, it, it, you know, my sense is it doesn't do the league any good to try and force the players into an, a situation where they're uncomfortable, not with the stakes where they're at now. I mean, this is... You know, again, no one's faced this. The stakes are incredibly high on so many levels, and they're high for everyone who's going to be involved in this. Mm -hmm. And whether it's the hotel staff in a hub city or the guys who or gals who are going to drive the players to and from practice rinks, everyone is is at risk and has to be considered in this. So at least, who knows whether they get it done? But my sense is that they are the players in the league are really in lockstep in this. That they, at the end of the day has to be something that is that that where the comfort level is extremely high for players who will presumably be leaving families for, for weeks on end and, and I mean maybe maybe I am naive I don't no, know no, no I, I think you're right and, and, and can I just I get a similar reader comment both on the athletic site after my columns but also on Twitter from some followers from some people not all but I, I got it again yesterday I got it again today where it's like just cancel the season and let's start fresh in October that's not in the cards. So let me just no. state this one last time. They cannot. They are not starting next season in October, no matter what happens. Whether there's hockey this Correct. year or not. Okay? They're not starting in October. I mean, that is, I mean, that is amazing how far uh, the commissioner went Tuesday. And basically, yeah. <laughs> basically saying as bluntly what we were speculating all along, Scotty. They can't start the 2021 season without fans. Okay, yeah. or if they do, at least for a very limited amount of time, right? They need gate revenue. So he talked yesterday. I mean, for the longest time, he's he's he has talked about delaying next season for a December start. Yesterday, he went into January publicly. So you know, and he actually dropped a little hint there. Maybe we'll start with an out with the Winter Classic. How about that uh, to start a season? But my point is. I, I just we have wonderful readers of the athletic uh, you know hockey fans in general are, are so much fun to deal with uh, and I mean that but can we stop with the narrative of let's just cancel this season and start next year normally in October that's not in the cards okay we're not starting 2021 in October so I don't want to hear that again <laughs> thank you now there may not be hockey this yeah. year that part might be true but yeah but we're not starting next season normally as long as we all understand that. No, it's true. Um, uh, so I'm curious, were there things, like we've been talking about this for a long time, and you've, your reporting has been so spot on, on on what has been bandied about, what is being discussed. Were there things that surprised you yesterday? Were you yes. like, oh, okay, I didn't, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. no, I, uh, there were a couple of surprises in there. They, they, they kept a few things away from us. Uh, one is LA being one of the uh, cities uh, pushing to be yeah. up city. Uh, completely took me off guard. I mean, I had heard a couple of sources that suggested them, and I kind of pushed that aside saying, well, why would the Kings want in when they're not even going to play? But, you know, I spoke with a, you know, with, with a source in the organization there after all the news yesterday. He says, yeah, we'd, you know, we, we'd really like to be a hub city. And, and when you really think about it, um, you and I have <laughs> spent many a night at LA Live. 
the the complex that surrounds the Staples Center. Uh, beautiful hotels, great restaurants. Uh, the players actually can can tunnel it from. Uh, you want to talk about bubble? They can tunnel it from uh, from one of the main hotels right into the rink without even being going outside. Uh, I think I think I have that right. Um, and uh, you know, they I don't know the legalities of all this, but I assume that part of their pitch must be that they could shut down part of LA Live, the complex, and just have it in the bubble, right? With some of the restaurants there. And so that surprised me because it never would have dawned on me that an organization which wasn't going to play again in this format might still want in on the on the, and you know what? The more you think about it, because Bill Daly raised the was asked about it yesterday, and I think you were the first to report weeks and weeks ago. It certainly <laughs> caught my attention that a host team may not be able to play in its own hub. That 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 let's say Edmonton gets a to be a hub city that the Oilers might have to play somewhere else. Bill Daly confirmed that as a possibility. Not that it would necessarily happen, but that it was being discussed. So L.A. gets around that, right? They don't have to worry about that. The Kings are playing hockey again this yep, year, so exactly. now. Because I believe, and I don't know what you think, I do believe the NHL is is really wants to be in Vegas for all kinds of reasons. A million hotel rooms available and and so on and so on. Um, you know, can you have both Vegas and LA? I don't know if that's workable. It might have to be one or the other. I think in a perfect world, Scotty, they'd like an East and a West, and even in a more perfect world, one hub in Canada, one hub in the US. But... As Bill Daly mentioned yesterday, which raised eyebrows, uh, you know, they're not going to be in Canada if they can't get around this. It's not so much getting around, but they can't negotiate a solution to the 14-day quarantine that, in fact, Nick Foligno just talked about, right? Um, and I think what the league is trying to convince the Canadian government of is that, you know, can't the quarantine be part of our bubble, right? As opposed to right. going to quarantine. That that counts as... Right. As the quarantine. Right. Yeah. I think that's what the NHL would hope. But, hey, um, Canadian government has to put their, uh, their, their their people's interest ahead of everything else, including pro sports. I got no problem with that. So we'll see where all that goes. But it may end up being that both hub cities are in the States. So we'll see. Yeah, it's interesting because I can't remember whether it was Bill or Gary, but just even from a broadcast point of view, because this is, this is a made-for-television event mm-hmm. that – you know, would it would it be better to have cities that were in different time zones? So, mm-hmm. you know, and your so your question's a good one. Could you have two West Coast hub cities that might present some different challenges? And I thought though the the and we're going to find out uh, within the next three to four weeks if if what Gary said yesterday is uh, if they follow that same timeline, um, which will be good. It'll be good to know, but again, the, it's such a fluid situation with uh, the situation and whether it's uh, government regulations, whether it's a spike in um, the number of cases. I saw recently, you know, Minneapolis-St. Paul, which had for a long time been, you know, one of the quietest, you know, urban centers uh, in the United States uh, vis-a-vis case numbers, and that had, that that had gone up, and so there's lots of it's really a moving target in in trying to find a place that that works on so many different levels. So that will, you know, that's going to be it's going to be interesting to see when they get down to, you know, to brass tacks. Dallas is another one which you know is a central time zone team or central time zone city rather. So. 
lots of lots of different moving parts there. Well, and, uh, what and, else? And what the else? First, uh, the first two rounds will be fascinating because I think they're going to want to go March Madness style and play a bunch of games in the middle of the day. Yeah, it's not going to please everyone. I mean, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, there's a lot of competing what we call mega teams, and I don't know that the league can ever get in a position where they're treating some teams better than others in terms of the TV slot, but probably. <laughs> So, you, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I, think I don't so. <laughs> know that you'd want the Rangers or the Leafs at noon, but who knows? Right. Maybe yeah. they have no choice yeah. in the matter, depending on how the schedule comes out. So that'll be interesting. Uh, but certainly, uh, you know, I wrote about this a bit in the middle of my column and I, I talked about this on Insider Trading on TSN. And maybe I'm the only one who cares about this, but it is still there's still some confusion about what they're going to label the play-in round as far as playoffs or not. And the more I got into late at night on Tuesday night, the more I got emails back saying it will not be considered playoff hockey for, for the purpose of record-keeping, by the way. Now, that could change. Uh, Don Fear was very tight-lipped about it from a PA perspective because this is not a small matter. Um, Don Fear basically said this is still an open issue between the PA and the league because they're players with bon- with bonuses, right? Uh, playoff-related yep. bonuses. There are coaches with bonuses, GMs with bonuses that say, hey, if we make the playoffs, here's a bonus. Well, if you're in the 24, are you in the playoffs or not? And the answer I got uh, finally late in the night was that the league is probably going to treat that as a qualifying round, not a playoff round. And that has a, that has repercussions. It's, so basically, it's not regular season, but it's not playoffs is where we're at right now. It's got it. Yeah. Right. Well, and I, I think that, I mean, it's not nothing. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, in some ways it is semantics because to me, if you're eliminating teams right. and, and there are 16 teams who are going to play a, a best of five and, and half of them are going to go home. So to me, that's a playoff. I don't care what you can call it wherever you want. That's a playoff. But it, it, I mean, it's fascinating. You know, uh, we've already decided now that Alex Ovechkin and the, and Pasternak will share the Rocket Richard and all those kinds of things. But, you know, like that's those are going to be critical games. And for players, you know, Ben Bishop gets a shutout for, well, they're not playing in the play-in round. But, uh, you know, the players who are going to perform in those play-in series, there has to be some way to recognize. Like, you can't, can't just disappear, right? Can't yeah, go into the ether I, I mean... and say... I mean, who knows, Scotty? What what if the play-in becomes the norm, which is which would be ironic because I've been writing about that for a long time, which you hate. Uh, I, <laughs> mine was completely different, as you remember. I, I stole this from other people who are smarter than me, but you know the whole seven against ten, eight against nine play-in idea, right? And and again, as you, as you may remember, you called it semantics, but my idea was not to change the sixteen-team playoff, but to have a play-in to get into it. So so what if this ends up being the norm? a play-in of some kind going forward. And so my point to you is then now you have a play-in section in the record book. It's not regular season. It's not playoffs, but it's play-in. Here are the best stats from play-in history. You know, most points in the game, um, most of this, most, you just treat it as a separate entity. That's okay. All right. It's not like this is. I'm worried. Well, I'm already worried. How are we, how are we going to work our playoffs here? What, do they count do they count those stats or not? Well, that's a good question. And and, and by the way, yeah. I, I was also caught off guard. I, even though we knew there'd be a round robin, and we knew that in some way or another, teams could move up or move down in the top four. Yeah. I did not anticipate that they would basically throw out the regular season points completely. Wow. <laughs> 
That is unbelievable. Like talk about Philadelphia and Dallas having a lot to play for in that round robin now. Um, and talking about, you know, certainly St. Louis and Boston, Boston in particular, having uh, having been a big loser with that format change. But you know, listen, there were you saw Alex Kaloran's original complaints, right, through our colleague Joe Smith that the round robin wasn't going to prepare them as well as as the play in series. Well, now that everything is on the line with the top seed as a carrot, I got to think those games will have a little more juice, don't you? Right. Well, uh, yes. And I, I got to tell you, initially I was like, well, basically you've wiped out 70 games. that For, for those eight teams, the top four teams in, in each conference, the, what you've accomplished there, as a, apart from that will be the, the tiebreaker if their teams, t- you know, the teams tied after the round three game round robin. But I, I'm, I actually, I loved the way Gary Bettman described it. He was like, we had to make, we had to give those games some meaning. Well, now they do. And that leads me to believe that you can't, you can't make that argument and you can't have that set up if you're not going to reseed at the end of the play in, right? So if, Whoever is the top seed, what is the actual benefit if you've already locked them into a, a set bracket? Well, you can't. To me, you have to have, let's say, let's say Boston comes back and, and they still end up with the top seed based on the round robin. They should play the team with the lowest points percentage coming out of the playing sure. round. Like I, that, yeah, it I has to be that. And I think, I mean, I could be so, wrong, but I sense that the players will get their way on that as, as this continues to be negotiated. Yeah. Well, I thought Gary said that too. Yeah, right? I, I, I think, think that's where I it's thought, headed. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, but you know, before we wrap up, I mean, I, I do think this needs to be said, even though it sounds a little, but you know, the, the return to play committee has been on this for seven to eight weeks, countless calls. And, and yeah, I guess, I guess when you're Gary Bettman and Bill Daly and, and Don Fear and Matthew Schneider, that's your job and you're used to being in these positions. But I still think those four people deserve a ton of credit for how tireless this whole thing was. And they're only halfway there. But the guys I really want to point out are the, are the active players that were on this committee that, that, that were out of their element, that had to put on their business suit on these calls. And and try to think of 700 players, 800 players. And, and, you know, and that's, you know, Mark Scheifele and Connor McDavid and, and John Tavares and Ron Hainsey and James Van Riemsdyk. They're sticking their neck out. And, and, and I kind of felt for them a bit when, you know, a lot of this was, was criticized last week. And it's like, you know, it's not like these guys don't want what's best <laughs> for all the players, but nothing's perfect. Right. And, and so I, I really want to single out those four, those five players because this isn't what their DNA is about. They're hockey players. They're not executives, and and they're still in the middle of it. Like I said, the worst is yet to come in terms of I think controversy and difficult decision making when it comes to all the protocol involved with phase three and phase four. But I do think we need to mention those guys. Yeah. Well, and you make a good point because they all, you know, at the at the end of the day, those are players, you know, I mean, Ron Hainsey, whose team's not even, like, right. Ottawa's, like, he, Ron's done playing hockey this year, right? So whatever. He, he made you know, sure of he that. He doesn't have a He dog made sure him. the seven teams are. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, 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 they, they all have on some levels competing interests, right? I mean, Connor McDavid, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure there are Edmonton fans who are like, geez, you know, if there were 20 teams and you did it differently, then the Oilers would get a break. Mm-hmm. And, 
you know, they wouldn't be forced into a first-round elimination or a play-in round, whatever you want to call it. But you're right. They've had to put aside their own individual interests and the interests of their teammates to try and think big picture about what makes sense for the game. And, and you're right. It, it is. Listen, it's easy to sit back and I'm in a closet in Decatur, Georgia. It's easy for me to pick apart things here, right? But you're right. Those guys have committed countless hours to try and make this work. And listen, you know, we want to see the game come back if it can come back safely because it, it reminds us of what we're missing. And, it, and it's a signal, if it happens, that maybe we're on the path to whatever the new normal is going to be. So uh, I'm with you. I think those guys deserve a ton of credit because it's a it's a thankless job and it's only going to get harder. So I'm glad you brought that yeah, up. Yeah, and, and and in the same token, you know, I, I you know, I, I think it's it's important. You know, Carolina and Tampa voted no in the in the executive board NHLPA call last week on the format. I think it's important for players to exercise their democratic right. And to vote their conscience and not get sort of overwhelmed by, well, we should just do what's 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 being asked. It, this is good. This is good for players to have these conversations and to take ownership of what their lives are going to be like here over the next few months. And believe me, this is just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, you know, Don Fear hinted at, at me in our interview, Scotty, but there was obviously a, a more macro discussion about the future of the CBA and all this, right? And, and and the players are going to have more difficult decisions. I mean, they're they're in a real tough spot as far as uh, the escrow money that they owe. I mean, not in a tough spot compared to the 30 million plus people in the U.S. unemployed right now. But I just mean in terms of pro sports and what they're used to in the context of their lives as pro athlete. Um, this is just the tip of the iceberg in terms of, my goodness, the decisions that are coming their way. And... I just hope that my experience over the years in the lockouts that I've covered, that you've covered, Scotty, it disappoints me over the years how few players really get involved in these processes when it should matter to every player. And it bugs me when some players come in at the last second not off the top rope when they've ignored the entire process and then don't like anything. Well, get involved. And, and so I hope that this was a wake-up call, you know, the, the vote last week and what's coming down the pipe now. I, I really hope every single player in the league is, is activated, is talking to his player rep, is asking tough questions, is reaching out to the PA, um, because this, this is really going to affect their lives here, not just in return to play, but in what the future looks like the next few years CBA-wise. So this is a big time for them. Yeah. Good point, and a perfect way to bring to a close this edition of Two Man Advantage. And uh, before we go, we're not the only athletic podcast. Lots of terrific discussion going on. And one of your colleagues from TSN, Craig Button, director of scouting at TSN. I didn't even know that was a title. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that was a title. But he, does, yeah, he does a great job. Right. Oh, my gosh. He's the He's terrific. One of the biggest hockey brains in the business, as far as I'm concerned. But he's joining Ken Weeb and Morat Ates on the Boarding Pass, our fine podcast out of Winnipeg this week. Nice. Uh, how about uh, former Wild defenseman Nate Prosser? Great story Nate Prosser is. Uh, he's joining Mike Russo on Straight from the Source uh, out of uh, Minnesota, potential hub city uh, this week. And former Bruin... 
and Atlanta Thrasher. I always like to throw that in. It's not even in my notes here, but uh, put that in there. Current blues assistant Mark Savard joins the Perfection Pod. I'd be good. With, with Joey Mack and Fluto Shinzawa. So uh, you should check those out. And if, if, if anything, out- you should listen to that podcast in case Fluto drops a restaurant recommendation for you, especially when restaurants starting to open <laughs> yeah, again. Yeah, it's a good point. Right? <laughs> or, or, or if Mark Savard t- talks about uh, the, his time in Atlanta and what it was like to work alongside me when I was uh, when the team was still here. Where is that? Yeah. Anyway, he might not. Um, but you should also check out our comments section for each podcast episode at the Athletic app, and you should do that as a matter of course. Yeah, I still don't know. I still don't know where to find that. I have to be honest. I'll have to get someone. Yeah, you know what? Smarter. You can uh, you can find okay. it. I'll, I'll tell you. Uh, uh, and don't forget to rate and subscribe to Two Man Advantage on Apple. And if you click on the show URL, theathletic.com slash Two Man Advantage, you'll get 40% off your subscription. Buddy, a fine job again. And uh, let's see where we're at every week now. We keep we keep uh, tracking forward. So uh, we'll see where we are a week from today. Yeah, it's, uh, it's getting real. So we'll see where all this goes, my friend. All the best. All the best.